Well, welcome, Pathway family, at all of our locations. Those of you who are watching online, so glad you're here for this first weekend of our series, Home Wreckers of the Bible. And really, for the next four weeks, through some characters of the Bible, we're going to be looking at some key issues that corrode our marriages and destroy our relationships. Now, certainly, we're going to be talking about marriage, but all the principles that we're going to be looking at throughout this series really apply to any relationship. So definitely, there is something here for everybody. Now, I don't know if you remember this news story or not, but back in 2007, the I-35 bridge that spans the Mississippi River in Minneapolis, Minnesota, suddenly collapsed during rush hour traffic. It was the second busiest bridge in all of Minnesota. It was obviously just this massive structure, and from a distance, it just appeared like it was rock solid, and it was built to be able to endure the test of time. But on August 1st of 2007, that bridge, it suddenly collapsed. 111 vehicles rode that bridge down as far as 115 feet to that river. 13 people were killed. 145 people injured. A school bus that had 63 children on board narrowly survived. It ended up resting on a guardrail right next to the river's edge. And so you have to ask yourself, I mean, how did this happen? How how could one of the busiest bridges in all of Minnesota that looked really good on the outside, I mean, suddenly collapse? Well, there was one reason, oxidation. Iron in the soil and the bridge supports reacted chemically with the oxygen in the air, and the result was a reddish substance that ate away and destroyed the steel in that bridge. And that substance is what you and I call rust. You see, people weren't watching out for the rust. They weren't inspecting for it. And as a result, that rust, over time, did all kinds of damage and people were killed. And I want to let you know today, the same thing is true in our marriages and our relationships. There are key issues that if we don't watch out for them, if we don't inspect for them, have the power to be able to corrode our love and to be able to destroy our relationships. And specifically today, the issue that I want to talk about today is bitterness. Bitterness is powerfully corrosive. And when I thought of a family that struggled with the issue of bitterness, I couldn't help but think about Jacob's family in the Old Testament. Now, Jacob had four wives, which led itself to a very dysfunctional family. (laughs) We all have dysfunctions in our family, but Jacob's family was definitely next level. I mean, they had Jerry Springer levels of dysfunctionality. And because of this dysfunctionality, their family was just a ripe environment for growing bitterness. And one of the key dynamics that fed the bitterness in their family was that Jacob played favorites. And his favorite son was Joseph. And to prove that Joseph was his favorite son, Jacob gave him an ornate coat that many of you might know as the coat of many colors. It's kind of like at Christmas time having 11 sons and you give 10 of them bouncy balls and you give one of them an iPad. It's going to cause problems. Then the second thing that Joseph did was he gave Joseph, uh, Jacob did that he gave Joseph special privileges. 
When all the other brothers were out caring for the livestock in the field, Joseph got to stay home. And then finally, Jacob allowed Joseph to be able to flaunt kind of this special status that he had in front of his brothers. Joseph even uh, told them about a dream that he had where they would all bow down before him. So as you can imagine, all these actions and these behaviors just created bitterness between Joseph and his brothers. And it corroded over time their relationship. So you see, if you don't watch out for it, bitterness, things, they they can deteriorate over time. Things will slowly deteriorate from the point where they will eventually collapse. Look what happens. Genesis chapter 37, uh, beginning with verse 18, says there, Joseph's brothers saw him at a distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him to one of these pits and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So you see, man, there, there it is. Joseph's older brothers are so bitter toward him, they're going to kill him. And the reality was bitterness had spent years here, hadn't it? It spent years here developing eating away at their relationship when suddenly, just dramatically, just everything collapses. Though those brothers were so bitter that, that they caught Joseph alone in that field, that they beat him and they threw him in that dry pit to die. You know, that's the depths, that's the evil place where of bitterness will eventually take us. It will cause us. It'll cause us to do all kinds of horrific things when we allow it just to stay in our hearts. That's why in Romans chapter 12, it says, See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Because it's horrific. But by the grace of God, what happens in our story is that those brothers, they decided there was no gain uh, uh, for Joseph to be able to die. So they decided to sell him to some Ishmaelite slave traders who just happened to be coming by on their way to Egypt. But I want you to imagine, though. I mean, how Joseph must have felt in those moments. The hurt, the anger, the betrayal that that he must have felt. His brother selling him into slavery. And then him going really kind of from this position of status, of having food, uh, and having his freedom to this position of having to be a slave. And the reality was, for the next two decades, Joseph, he worked like a dog while his brothers, they were free. So he had just this number of years slaving away that that resentment and that bitterness inside of his heart just began to grow. Joseph struggled with it. You know he had to for what his brothers had done to him and where it had left him and the consequences that it had. You know, when I was uh, thinking about resentment and bitterness, I, I thought about the first years of Chris and I's marriage. And in those early years, we didn't have kids. Uh, Chris was still going to school. I was working about 60 hours a week in the student ministry here at Pathway. And the truth is, our lives didn't intersect very much back then. And it mostly had to do with me. I mean, Chris would tell you she began to build up resentment toward me, toward the church, and toward the student ministry during that time frame because I was I was never home she would tell you that there were countless nights where she would be in our apartment alone crying 
wishing we were back in Manhattan, reliving really that first year of our marriage where we were always together. And because of the corrosive power of that resentment and that bitterness, an invisible crack really began to form in the middle of our relationship. I had my life, and she had hers. And our lives were never intersecting. And things between us began to get colder and colder. You see, there was a resentful and bitter corrosion that was beginning to go on in our relationship that needed some attention, that needed some repair. And if it would have left, uh, been left unaddressed, it would have certainly continued to divide us. And in the end, it would have eventually destroyed us. And I believe, and I know that there's all kinds of cracks of resentment and bitterness that I know are happening in homes right now. We don't notice them because we're not looking for them. We're not making sure and inspecting our own hearts to make sure that they're not there. They, they may have come from a spouse that uh, what they have said to us that's kind of stuck in us, or, or maybe it's from something that's happened to us in our marriage relationship. It was an affair. It's been abuse, some kind of addiction that's happened. Or maybe that crack wasn't some major offense. Maybe it's from a kind of a whole bunch of a minor offenses that just have accumulated over time. And they just seethe inside of you, just all those little things that all of a sudden you find in your heart just being resentful and bitter. But either way, there's a crack. There's a crack there for you. Now, I know there's others of you still, maybe your resentment and bitterness doesn't come from marriage, but it comes from something else. Maybe it comes from your parents divorcing, or from a grandparent who neglected you, or, or from a stepmother who hurt you. You see, there are dozens of ways that we can be hurt by our spouses or members of our own families. And, and when that happens, man, it creates fractures. I mean, it creates fractures in the foundations of our relationship that make us vulnerable then because of all those cracks to collapsing. So the question then becomes, how do we deal with that? Because it's real. It's going to happen. We're going to have those feelings. We're going to have those hurts. We're going to have those resentments. How do we deal with the damage that's caused in, in our relationships by that? Well, what I want to do is I want to go back to our story and see what happens there. Because Joseph did have a, a tragic beginning, but he ended up being very successful in Egypt. I mean, he proved himself to be such a capable administrator that his master eventually elevates him to everything in his entire household. And even though there were some ups and downs along the way, eventually Joseph was promoted to the second most powerful position in all of Egypt. He had accurately predicted seven years of prosperity, followed by seven years of famine, and he brilliantly oversaw a grain storage and distribution program. And so as a result, Joseph became the prime minister over all of Judah. He, he was a person then of wealth. He was a person of influence, and, and by that time he had just this incredibly beautiful family. But then one day something happened. One day... To his astonishment, he looked up and there were his ten older brothers standing right there in front of him. 
And they'd come down to Egypt to buy grain. It was during that time of the famine. They didn't recognize him because he was dressed in his Egyptian clothes, but he recognized them. And in Genesis chapter 42, verse 6, it says, they bowed down low before him with their faces to the ground. And Joseph, in that moment, he remembered his dream, and suddenly he realized he had them right where he wanted them. He had the opportunity to get even with these brothers who had treated him so badly and hated him. You see, these were the brothers who threw him into the pit. These were the brothers who ignored his pleas for help. And these were the brothers who had caused the last 20 stinking years of pain in his life. And in those moments, it was like it's almost too good to be true. Because now, now Joseph, he could have them thrown into the pit. And now he could ignore their screams for help. And now he could have them put in jail and abused like he was abused. But in those moments, as all those feelings probably got right to the surface, Joseph didn't know for sure what he wanted to do. And so what he did was he accused them of being spies, and he had them thrown into jail for three days so he could figure out what he was going to do. You see, bitterness, it's a tricky thing. Because even though time passes, 20 years had passed since he'd seen his brothers. But that bitterness... That bitterness, it was just right below the surface. It was right below the surface and just came right up, right when the moment came that he had to confront him. And I want to let you know, the same is true for us. When we've got bitterness and resentment in our own hearts, when an opportunity arises, just like it was with Joseph, our bitterness, we may have pushed it down for a while, but it's still there. And man, it wants to come up and it wants to hurt the other person. That's what it wants to do. That's what our flesh wants to do. Well, eventually, in our story, Joseph makes a very godly choice. He chooses to forgive. And in Genesis chapter 45, beginning with verse 1, it says there, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God has sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. See, there in those moments, when Joseph forgave his brothers, what he was doing, he was releasing that bitterness and he was reconciled his with his family. His forgiveness, it destroyed the homewrecker of bitterness. 
And because the bitterness was destroyed, Joseph's whole family moved to Egypt, and eventually they became a nation of a million people who became God's chosen people, Israel. You see, that's the power and the impact that forgiveness can have. When, when we destroy the homework or a bitterness in our lives, it's amazing. That's what happens, friends. The rippling effect that forgiveness happens in our lives, and it goes way beyond our lives. That rippling effect of those relationships touches another relationship, touches another relationship. That's the power of forgiveness. Not just for us, but also for all those people who come after us. So, what can we learn from Joseph that can help us overcome the bitterness, the resentment that we all struggle with in our lives and in our own relationships? Well, the first thing I think we can learn from Joseph is choose to forgive. Choose to forgive. That's what Joseph did. He made an active choice of his will over his emotions to forgive his brothers. You see, forgiving past offenses are an act of the will. It's a choice. If you wait until you feel like forgiving, I don't think you'll probably ever forgive. Because I think that's the way. If you wait till you feel like it. But you've got to make that choice. The truth is forgiveness, too, understand, it's good for you. (laughs) It's not only good for you emotionally in terms of improving your mental health, But it's also actually good for you physically when you do it. I mean, scientists have proven that forgiveness improves your immune system, our our blood pressure, and our overall health. But we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. Will we forgive? Or will we allow resentment and bitterness to corrode and potentially collapse a relationship? Well, one of the best exercises I've done to kind of strengthen my forgiveness muscle is doing what's called the forgiveness exercise. And it's a very simple exercise. I'm just going to want to walk you through how that it works. And the way it works is each morning before you go about your day, sit down with a sheet of paper or you can use your smartphone and write down what you're angry or hurt about. Make sure and do it kind of as detailed as possible um, when, when you're writing that down. And once you've done making that list, once you're done making that list, on the bottom of that list, what you need to do is write, I choose to forgive these things. After you write all those things down. And do this every single day for six to eight weeks. And over time, what you're going to discover is that your list is going to get shorter and shorter. And pretty soon, writing it down won't matter that much. And what you do write down will actually give you some direction on where you need to really focus your energy. The truth is we have a choice about what we are going to do. We have a choice about what we're going to do with our hurt and with our anger. And so as we've been talking about all this today, I want to ask you, who is that for you? Who's that person? Who's that person in your life that you need to forgive? Who is that person that you need to acknowledge just to let it sink in that they've hurt you so you can begin to release that pain and that resentment that's kind of been built up and begin to get that bridge mended, at least in your own heart? 
And let me tell you, as your pastor, my observation is that many times, particularly in marriage, there is forgiveness that needs to happen, and it's actually on both sides. (laughs) It's on both sides. And the temptation is to let the other person make the first move. But the most important move that you need to make is your own, and it's your move. You make the first move. And I'm so glad in my relationship with Chris that she made the first move. She told me about the hurt and the resentment that she was building up in her heart early in our marriage. And she didn't keep punishing me for my mistakes of being absent and not at home, but she forgave me. And as we processed through all that, it actually enabled me then to be able to take steps to be able to rectify that situation. You see, forgiveness is powerful. And just like Joseph, we need to be able to be willing to go first. Willing to go first. We've got to take those steps. So do that forgiveness exercise. And then you, you make the first move to be able to forgive that other person. All right? Then the second step that you need to take is release your right to retaliate. You see, Joseph had been been mistreated. He had the opportunity to retaliate. But he didn't do it. And maybe there's an injustice that's been done to you. And maybe you have the right. And maybe you have the power to get even. Maybe you've got all those things. I did hear an example the other day that, uh, of maybe not, of of what not to do. I thought it was kind of funny, though. I did hear a funny story about a soldier who received a Dear John letter from his girlfriend while he was overseas. He was devastated that she was breaking up with him. And to add insult in the end to injury, at the end of the letter, the lady wrote, please send me back my favorite picture of myself because I would like to use that photograph for an engagement picture in the county newspaper. Wow. (laughs) I mean, talk about trying to kill a guy. Well, all the guys in this man's platoon came to his defense. And they went around and they gathered pictures from all the other soldiers girl that had pictures of their girlfriends. And they filled up an entire shoebox full of them. And then, he had, uh, then they had this guy write a letter back to his girlfriend. And the letter said this, Please find your enclosed picture and return the rest. For the life of me, I can't remember which one you are. <laughs> That was pretty funny, but probably not a good example of what to do. (laughs) But what I do want you to hear today is this. Forgiveness releases my right to hurt the other person back, even when they deserve it. If there's a punishment to be administered, we have to allow God and his perfect uh, judgment to be able to do that. I love what Romans 12, 19 says, where it says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We have to leave the justice making up to God. I love too uh, the way Philip Yancey talks about all this. He says, by forgiving another, I am trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I release my own right to get even and leave all the issues of fairness for God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scales that must balance justice and mercy. And so I want to encourage you today. 
release your right to retaliate and trust God that he's the ultimate justice maker. You know, I know there are relationships in this room right now where there is the home-wrecking bitterness. There's a home-wrecking bitterness that's, that's present. And I want to let you know, I know right now that it's dividing marriages. I mean, it's dividing families. It's, it's dividing relationships. And maybe you're kind of letting that sink in a little bit today. But I want to let you know, too, today that there's hope. And I've seen it, and I've experienced it over and over again. And it's in God and in what happens as we follow his word in terms of what he tells us to do. You know, a few years ago, there was a couple that um, I've been close to for a long period of time that shared with me that the husband had had an affair. They were both very successful people and had wonderful kids. So from a distance, I mean, everything looked like it was going great in their marriage. But what you couldn't see was what had been left unchecked and unexpected for years. And that was the corrosion of bitterness that had been eating away at the foundation of their relationship. The husband was successful at his job and had other side work that he did that caused him to be gone from his wife and his family quite often. There were no major offenses that happened, but it was the slow drip over time of his lack of presence and his offhanded, hurtful comments that began to take a toll. And slowly, almost imperceptibly, the wife began to build up walls. Walls of resentment. Walls of bitterness. And it manifested itself in an emotional coldness toward her husband. And it manifested itself in a lack of sexual interaction. And because of this emotional coldness and this lack of sexual interaction, the husband, he began to grow resentful and bitter toward her as well. And all those unresolved feelings of resentment and bitterness made their relationship ripe for that affair. And when the affair was discovered, as you can imagine, it was like a bomb went off. There was obviously a lot of corrosion in the relationship before, but now the bridge of their relationship, man, it just had collapsed. And both of them, they had blame to bear, but he was clearly the one who had pounded out the rusty bolts that were holding things together. And she told me when she found out about the affair, she was so angry and so hurt about it, all she could think about was how to hurt him back. She told me she just wanted to go to the lawyer and just take him to the freaking cleaners. And every chance she had early on, she would take the information of that affair and just throw it right back in his face. It didn't matter what they were fighting about. She could use the affair as a weapon to win whatever argument that she was in. But after that initial collapse, she began to remember as well beautiful family that God had given them together. And she remembered as well that God never said that marriage was going to be easy, but he did say that he'd be with us. So she made a choice that day 
She made the choice to forgive. She told me this week when we were talking about it that that choice to forgive was certainly much more of a process than it was an event. And it took time. It took faith. Faith in God, and it took the help of other people for that to be able to happen. And she said it was awkward. She said it was uncomfortable. And there were a whole bunch of ups and downs along the way. But over time, forgiveness happened. Bitterness was overcome. Trust was rebuilt. You know, it's been 10 years since that affair. And she would say the journey to forgiveness and healing was hard, but it's been worth it. And they would both tell you. They have more life, they have more joy in their marriage and in their family than they've ever had before. And that, my friends, is what God wants for all of us. He wants us to have life. He wants us to have joy in our marriages, in our relationships that come from being free, come from being free from that home-wrecking rest of bitterness. And in the end, you know what? God wants for us as well. He wants for us as well legacies, legacies of forgiveness. Because you know what? We know from Jesus and how Jesus did it, legacy changes the world. He wants our forgiveness in big ways and small ways, in our marriages, in our families, in our workplace, those people that we know. He wants that legacy of forgiveness to continue through us, that it would continue to change the world. That's what he wants. He wants to see hope. He wants to see healing. He wants us to experience love. And he wants us to experience joy. So as we begin to close today, I just want us to pray about that, to talk to God about that, to bring him just that bitterness, that resentment sometimes it just resides inside of our hearts. So I just want to ask everyone right now at all of our locations, those of you who are watching online, just to bow your head to close your eyes with me. And I just want us to pray together right now. Go to our Heavenly Father. Oh, Father in Heaven, we just uh, thank you that you're here today. And we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. And Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would inspect our hearts today. Inspect our hearts for whatever bitterness and resentment that we might be holding on to. And right now, I'm going to encourage you to allow God's Holy Spirit to speak to you, to bring to your mind any person, any person that you need to forgive, any person that you build up resentment and bitterness toward. And maybe for you today, it's like we've been talking about, it's your, it's your spouse. There's been some things that have been said. There's been some things that have been done that have caused you maybe even over time to be able to have resentfulness and bitterness inside your heart. For others of you, maybe it's not your marriage, maybe it's your mom, it's your dad, sister, brother, friend, co-worker, or neighbor, that you find yourself today being 
resentful, bitter toward. And the truth is, if you're like me, there's something that just wants to rise up and say, you hurt me, I want to hurt you back. Well, I'm going to let you know today, God calls you, he calls you because he wants the best for you to be able to forgive. He wants you to set that person free so that you can be free. He wants you to forgive as he's forgiven you. So today, if you know you need to forgive, but God's Holy Spirit has, has brought that person up in your heart and your mind. I want to encourage you to release them. Forgive them. Release your right to retaliate. If you know who that person is right now, that God's brought to your mind, I just want you to lift up your hands right now. Lift up your hands right now if you know that person that the Holy Spirit has brought up in your mind that you need to forgive, that you need to release. Lift up your hand. Allow God's Holy Spirit to say, yeah, it's there. Inspect for it today. Inspect for the bitterness, the resentment that they lay in your heart. Lift up your hands right now. Say, God, I hear you. I want to take another step. Lift up your hands right now. Say, God, I hear you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. Oh, Father in heaven, we just come before you now. Thank you so much that your Holy Spirit speaks to us, brings to our minds those people that we need to forgive. And so today, we make a choice. We make a choice to forgive. And we make a choice as well to release our right to retaliate, to release that right, that no bitter root would grow up in our heart, Lord, that would cause trouble, that would defile me. We release that right today to you. And we pray that you just would do a work of healing in us and do a work of healing in others, God, that your forgiveness would flow out of our lives and into this world. We love you, God. Thank you. Now, I know there's others of you right now. As we continue to pray, there's others of you. You've never taken that first step to become part of God's family. And I want to let you know, you'll never have the power. You'll never have the power to forgive until you experience the grace and power of God's forgiveness yourself. Because until his grace flows into your life, you won't have the grace and the power to be able to forgive. And so today, I want to invite you to take that step, to invite you to make Jesus Christ the leader, the Savior of your life so that you'll have the power that you'll have the power to be able to forgive and to be able to be set free in the in yourself from bitterness and resentment. Don't miss it. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity right now to take that step yourself, to receive Jesus, to receive his life, to receive his love. Pray this prayer with me right now. Oh, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes, and I've had failures. But today, Jesus, I cry out to you. I cry out to you, and I make you the leader and the Savior of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins and giving me the power to be able to overcome bitterness and resentment because of your forgiveness of me. And now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would use my life to go and offer your forgiveness and your love to other people. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed right now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, you made Jesus 
the leader and the savior of your life. You became a part of God's family. I want you to raise up your hands right now. Raise up your hands right now. Say, I became a part of God's family today. Raise up your hands. Say to God that you became a part of his family. You experienced his forgiveness. You experienced the power to be able to release your bitterness and resentment. Lift up your hands right now. Say that to God. Say that to God right now. Lift up your hands. Hallelujah. 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 Let me pray for you right now. Oh, Father in heaven, I just thank you today for my friends, my brothers and sisters who surrendered their lives to you, who became part of your family. God, you're so powerful. You're so good. You're always at work. Lord, we love you. Just thank you that you're in our midst. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.